You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for His purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real-life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 17 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we are talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These really help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast and Honestly, it encourages us to keep going as well. So just click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it is a big deal to us. Like, I really enjoy sitting down face-to-face and talking to Erin, and I think she's pretty awesome, and I think (laughs) we do a good job, but it's really cool to hear from you guys to know that it's just a little bit, it goes a little bit beyond just the two of us with talking heads on a screen. So if you could leave us a review, that would be so great because they really are so encouraging. And if you do that, you might just hear us read it out loud here on the podcast, which I think is kind of fun. So take just a few minutes to go take care of that right away and then listen for us to read your review on air. Before we jump into today's interview, we wanted to make sure that you have pre-ordered your autumn edition of Pray the Word Journal, and we're referring to this one as volume two of our wisdom edition because the first part of it focuses on praying through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is believed to have been written by King Solomon, who was David's son, and he was considered the wisest man to have ever lived. And I don't know about you, but... I sure would like to have some of that wisdom. If I could sit at the feet of the wisest man who ever lived for even just 10 minutes a day, I think I would probably do that because I know I know I need all the wisdom that I can get for this parenting thing. And even just beyond parenting, like for life or just open me up and pour the wisdom in. That's what I want. And I love praying for my children to have wisdom as well, because I know they're going to need it to navigate the world we live in today. Amen to that. Now, the second part of our autumn edition is pretty special too, though, because it actually takes us through the end of 2019. Yeah. Ah, That's crazy to think of. I know. I can't believe we're already talking about the end of 2019, but that's the way things work. So the last section of the autumn edition is actually going to lead you in praying through the season of Advent. So the first section, we're going to be praying for wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, and then we're just going to transition seamlessly into the season of Advent. So last year, we offered a smaller edition of Pray the Word Journal, like a pocket edition that was only for Advent. This year, we decided just to include it right inside of the main journal. So you're going to just transition right from wisdom to praying through scriptures that help you anticipate the arrival of Christ without really needing to get a separate journal. And I find that just so thrilling and exciting. Yeah, I gotta say that having it all in one place is my jam. 
Like I tend to buy all the things and have too many in one place and then I don't use them all because it's like, ah, I can't handle all of this. So having it all in one place, that is how it works well for me. So, and as we mentioned last week, we have a very special bonus for our new and existing quarterly members. Those of you that receive the Pray the Word journal automatically each quarter. Yes, I'm really excited about this. It's called 30 Reasons to Praise God. This 30-day gratitude journal is meant to be used during the month of November, which, guys, it's just around the corner. It's not that far away. And it's designed to help you focus on something other than all the craziness that comes with the holiday season. So often, I personally feel kind of let down when things don't go the way I've planned or my hard work to create something special goes unnoticed around the holidays. So this year, we decided that instead of focusing on all that hype, we just want to focus on God. So we put together 30 days of reasons we can all praise God straight from Scripture. You guys, I have to just let you in on a little secret. It is a really good day when you get to spend like six to eight hours just looking for reasons that we can praise God inside of scripture. So this was really fun for us to put together. And I love my job. Do you love your job, Erin? I love my job. <laughs> totally love it. So totally. Much. Yes. So each day focuses on a different aspect of God's character, something that's true about him that should make our hearts want to praise. And it gives you room inside the journal to respond in written form, even when life is a struggle. And believe me, guys, we know, Aaron and I know every day can be a struggle, but especially around the holidays, it's like we're struggling for this ideal that's just outside of our grasp. But even when we're doing that and it seems like a struggle, we always have reasons to praise God. And that's what this 30-day journal, gratitude journal, focuses on. So right now, every new and existing quarterly member can get a copy as a $10 add-on to their quarterly payment. And if you prefer to purchase Pray the Word Journal as a single item, you can get a copy of 30 Reasons to Praise God for just $20. So visit www.praythewordjournal.com for more details and pre-order your copy right away. Okay, Erin, let's move on to our topic for the day, which I am really fascinated with. And I know there's going to be a lot of moms who are going to be so helped by our guest today on the topic of calming angry kids. Yes, this is a topic that comes up a lot in mom conversations. And I'm thankful for that because having anger in your home can be a huge source of shame for families. And We have heard this over and over from moms, whether they were dealing with their own anger or their kids' anger, is they don't talk about it because they are filled with shame about it and they think they're the only ones. And a lot of times we hear from moms who tell us they had no idea they could get so angry until they had kids. I was one of them, like no clue. I don't remember getting really mad about much of anything until I had children and they pushed all the buttons. But (laughs) we talked about this before, Brooke, in your ebook, How to Control Your Emotions. And that addresses your own battle with anger. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. I wrote that a long time ago um, because I felt very much the same way. Like if you had known me in high school, the people that knew me in high school would never, ever have said, Brooke is an angry person. Like no one would ever have said that I had an issue with anger. And it's just like you said, our kids sometimes push all the right buttons and bring things out of us that we didn't even know were there. And the concepts that, that God showed me inside of uh, what became that How to Control Your Emotions ebook 
I still find myself going back to them over and over and over again, because none of us are ever going to be perfect. But with God's help, we really can do better. And, you know, today we're, we're not focused um, for today's show on our anger as moms, although we will address that a little bit because it impacts our children. We really want to talk about angry kids. And our guest is the perfect person to help us know how to reach them and calm them. Trisha Goyer is the award-winning author of more than 70 books. Can you just let that sink in for a just second? pause like, for a minute. Y'all, I've written four, five, I guess, <laughs> if you count the ebook. I can't even imagine 70 books. Just, 70 books, and I've read a lot, a lot of, them, of them, but <laughs> not 70. So I got to get to work because I've liked all the ones I read, but 70. And included in that is Calming Angry Kids. Help and Hope for Parenting in the Whirlwind. That is a true statement right there. She is a homeschooling mom of 10 children and a grandmother of four, and we cannot wait for you to hear her story. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I never wanted to be the expert on calming angry kids, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into that, tell us about yourself and about your family. Sure. Well, I um, was a single mom first. I had my oldest son when I was 17 um, and really gave my life to God then and started praying for my future husband. So that's where my first prayers were answered. Um, And I met and married John. We got married when I was 18. He adopted Corey and then we had two more kids right away. Um, So by the time I was 22, I had three little ones running around. Um, And then I started homeschooling. We raised them. I thought, we're good. We're good to go. I started um, helping in a crisis pregnancy center and writing books and thought I was just finding my calling for my life. And then God opened our hearts to adoption. So we adopted first um, Alyssa when our youngest was 16. So this is like we're almost empty nesters and we start completely all over again. Um, And that was from a private adoption. And then we heard about kids in foster care. A couple years later, we adopted a two and a five-year-old. Um, and then I thought, really, like, we're done. Like, we're good. <laughs> we had three more. Um, but then even working with teen moms, um, in the first in the crisis pregnancy center and then just in the teen mom support group, so many young women were in foster care, aged out, became pregnant at 17, 18. I thought, someone needs to do something to help these young women. And I kept telling my husband that. And finally, I felt God, like, tapping my shoulder, like, why don't you, you know, adopt older girls, give them a home, give them someone to talk to them and encourage them and um, point them in the right direction. And so just in 2016, we adopted a sibling group of four girls. Um, They're now between the ages of 14 and 19. So that has been the crazy journey that we've been on. And I think Honestly, the most challenging thing was the anger that they brought into the home, just from all the hard stuff that they went through. Yeah, for sure. I think we forget. We we can sometimes have this idyllic picture of what adoption and fostering can be like, and we know that uh, we know that it's good because God's father heart to what toward us is one of adoption, and we know that it's his. You know it's the way he loves us. And so we're to extend that to other people when he opens the door for us to do that. But it's not always easy. They do bring lots of baggage, just like we do. I mean, you know, I'm 41 years old and I've been walking with the Lord since I was, you know, I made a decision for Christ when I was nine. I would say I've been walking seriously with the Lord since I was about 19. But, um, 
I still have lots of baggage. We all have baggage. And it would be unrealistic to think that bringing kids into your home, that they wouldn't have, you know, some of that baggage as well. So you guys have had to live this message in a very real way. And I know on some levels, you're still living it because they're still in your home. And I think that's what makes this conversation authentic is that you're still there in, in some ways. And the things that you're going to share with us are things that you are actively using in your home to try to help your, you know, any kind of anger issues. And I think, you know, all of us get angry sometimes, right? Like we all have emotional responses. Kids, it's normal for them to get angry sometimes, but sometimes we don't know how to help them or sometimes that anger goes beyond the norm. And those are kind of the things that we want to talk about. So Trisha, in the first section of your book, Calming Angry Kids, you talk about the importance of understanding both your children's anger and yours. What do you mean by this? Well, let's first talk about our anger, because I think that surprised me. Because oh. um, I, like you guys, I never would consider myself an angry person. And I had raised three kids to adulthood. And there was times I yelled or raised my voice, but I would still would not have considered myself an angry person until I have these kids in my home that I cannot control. You know, with Martha biological kids, we could send them to their room or they, you know, we had that relationship where they would eventually calm down and I was able to stay calm. But it just kept, um, you know, I have a, a preteen in my face telling me I'm a horrible person and I just adopted kids to get famous or I don't know, just ridiculous things. I'm like, really? This is, this is not what I signed up for. And just the anger, I find myself just following them to their room, you know, like yelling at them and feeling my pulse racing. And I just didn't know this person. I remember talking to um, one of the therapists, I'm like, I don't even understand the person um, that I become. And one of the things that really helped was she, uh, she told me, well, first of all, anger is a natural response. And know that, you know, when a situation is happening with our kids, our hearts will start pounding. We will feel those emotions inside us because our body feels the anxiety, of, you know, the fight, flight, and freeze. Like we want to react. And so just know that our body's naturally going to respond to that um, because we cannot control the situation. So that really kind of helped me like, oh, okay, this is like everybody's body will respond in these ways when they're dealing with the situation. So that helped me. But another thing that um, the therapist said is the child, when they are angry, they want you to get angry because suddenly it's, it takes it off of them. So if the child is doing something wrong um, and we get angry, suddenly it's like, you're yelling at me. And then what do I do? I apologize. I come back to them. And then suddenly it's not about what they did. It's about me and my emotions. And so she said, when you stay calm, you win. And that, that really helped me. And the third thing she said is don't escalate with your child um, because when you are escalated to, no one is thinking. It moves from the thinking brain to the emotional brain. You have two people that are not thinking, that are just emotional. And not only can we not be a good example to them, but we aren't thinking. So we'll say things, you're grounded forever, you know, whatever. We're not logical. So that really helped me. Just her making me realize, like, first of all, it's common. Like, the emotions will happen to everyone. Second of all, when I stay calm, I win. And then third of all, we need, I need to stay in my thinking brain. I can't escalate with them. Um, I need to keep myself calm. And so that has really helped me. And so in the moment, I'll just be like, you know, relaxing my hands because often our fists ball up, take some deep breaths, send up a prayer and tell myself, when I stay calm, 
I win. So that, that's kind of dealing with um, the my own emotions. I really love that you said that. And we had a clear example of that. I, I have said before on the podcast that I, I'm a, I'm a reactor. I am. I've always been a reactor. My first gut response is to react and, and then to begin thinking and then to begin finding my way back to what is actually happening rather than that you know, emotional response or that feeling brain. That's just the way I am. And with God's grace, the amount of time that it takes me to be in that emotional place before I can get to the thinking place over time has become smaller and smaller. But I I feel like there's um, maybe an element of that that I may always deal with. And unfortunately or fortunately for me, you can (laughs) run with it either way. God has given me one of my children as a reactor as well. And so when we get in the same room and we're both in that reacting space, it's like, you know, like it just, it explodes and escalates to crazy levels before, I mean, before you can count to five. And so the other day, this was beginning to happen in a car ride home from somewhere, I could feel it. I knew it. I could feel it in my emotional response. I could feel it in my physical response. I knew he was getting to that place. And we walked in the house and I said, I need you to go to your room. And he didn't like that. Not at all. He didn't want to go to his room. He felt like he was being punished. But I had to explain to him, look, I'm not punishing you, but you and I need a break from each other. I need to go cook dinner and you need to go in your room. Because both of us are unreasonable right now. I can't reason with you from an unreasonable place. And you can't be reasoned with in an unreasonable place. And so we have to, for the sake of our relationship, take a minute and be apart from each other until we can calm down and then talk about this. And so it was so good. And he still didn't like it because he, he like me is a, he's a, you know, a less mature version of me. I would say he wanted to tackle it right that minute. And that's how I would have been too at at his age. I want to deal with it right now, but I hope that I'm teaching him in my own efforts to stop and calm down that, you know, there's wisdom in that there's, there's so much more we can do once we get out of the feeling brain and back into the thinking brain. And I have to tell you, I really love, as a competitive person, I really like that you just said, when you stay calm, you win, because that kind of helps me (laughs) think about it from a different perspective, because I do want to win. And I admit that I do want to be right with my kids. I like to be right. And so if you frame it that way, to me, it feels like, okay, I'm going to win if I can be quiet. And that helps me to be able to do that. So that was great insight. (laughs) Thank you. I love that. Okay. So at the end of, well, let's, I tell you what, let's step back for a second because you were talking about our anger, but let's talk about our kids' anger. Like how, how do we understand it? How, how do we make sense of it? Because I know there have been times when I've looked at my children and said, what in the world do you have to be angry about? Like, I just don't even understand sometimes where it's coming from. So give us some insight into that. Absolutely. Well, one of the um, things that also helped me is the therapist talked about their anger. And basically, anger is outward evidence of something wrong, some kind of chaos or Um, the emotional um, disruption internally. So externally, they're showing anger because internally something is going wrong. And so, you know, that's obvious, like if they stub their toe or someone says something, but sometimes we can't even understand what's going on internally. So really it just helps when we see that anger. I think one of the first things we do um, that will help is to acknowledge it. And just by saying you are angry. 
because I think so many times we say, um, you know, calm down, don't act that way, you know better than that. And I know when I'm angry and someone says calm down, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really mad. Like, and, I, and often it's justified. So there's something that's justifiably getting them angry. And when we just say, you are angry, and then we can say, do you want to tell me about it? Then they're able, again, to move from their emotional brain to their thinking brain. So first of all, just seeing that as if there's something wrong in their world. Now, often, if, especially if they're younger or if they come from trauma, they don't understand what's going on. Like, they cannot tell you, I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling um, emotional about this. They just immediately burst in anger. And I have a, a perfect example of this. We were out camping and I had um, all six of the girls with me. So they were between the ages of six and I think 15 at the time. And I thought it'd be a good idea to go with these other moms camping with all our girls. And my littlest one burnt her finger. So she's crying. She's mad, angry because of a physical pain. But then the, one of my twins, who was 13 at the time, came up and um, I was putting ointment on the, the younger girl's finger. And she said, I burnt myself last night in the s'more. And she took it from me. And I said, and I probably was short with her. I'm like, just a minute, I will help you because I'm dealing with this, ang you know, this child that's screaming because she's in pain. And in that moment, when I told my 13-year-old, just a minute, and I took the ointment back, she flared up into anger. She they was immediately mad and she stormed off. She was going to run away. Um, then her twin was mad at me for treating her that way. And then the 15-year-old was mad because um, uh, she was sure we were not going to adopt them. This was before the adoption was final. So she's angry. And then, so I said, we just need to pack everyone up, get everyone home. And then the other two were angry because we were going to have to leave. So this is a lot of angry people, but they were for different reactions. So the, what I realized with my daughter is the 13-year-old is all her life, people have told her that they would care for her and then took that away from her. There was foster parents there that failed adoption. So in the moment when suddenly I didn't care for her, she felt abandoned. She felt unloved, and that made her angry. My other girls were angry because um, my 15-year-old, she was worried about the adoption. The other two were angry because they had to leave camping. And so all these other, I mean, anger shows itself in all the kids, but for each kid, it was a different reason. There was something going on. And so really, it's just stopping. And in the moment, like in that moment, I just needed to get everyone in the car. It's not like I saw through this in the moment, but with our kids, often if it's just one child or if it's just a situation, say what is really going on. And sometimes it is an emotional thing. Maybe they haven't had time with us and we, they just feel like we're picking on them or we're demanding too much and they don't feel that connection. They don't feel that relationship. Sometimes they're tired. Sometimes they're hungry. We have some kids that are get hangry. Like when they are hungry, they are mad. And so it's really us saying something's not right in this my child's world and what is going on. We just had just last week a big emotional blow up with one of our daughters and she's been doing really, really good. Well, this guy that she liked, she found out that he'd been lying to her and had a girlfriend. I didn't even put two and two together. I'm like, why is she in such a bad mood? Which then I remembered just the night before she found out this guy she likes had a girlfriend. So it's that, that stuff you have to stop and think about what is really going on. I think so many times we jump to discipline. We jump to telling them to change their attitude instead of just saying, Oh, I'm so sorry that, you know, you have these emotions and that really stinks and you have a right to be angry, but let's just control yourself around your family. Like let's, let's work on calming down, but really going back and seeing what is going on with our kids. Do you notice a theme, Brooke, in all of our podcasts? We need to know our children. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, if you're listening, you have heard this, uh, say this a million times about being a student of your child. And this is just another 
in the list of reasons why we need to be a student of our child. Because if we don't know to look for these things, if we're not really studying what else is going on, then we can't get to the heart of it. Yeah, for sure. And I know I do try. I'm not going to say I'm 100% perfect at it, but I have found that when I look at my child in the middle of, you know, whatever emotion it is, anger or whatever, and I just validate that and I say, I understand why you feel the way you do. It's okay for you to be angry. It's okay for you to feel, you know, attacked right now, or it's okay for you to feel the way you're feeling, but it's your response to that feeling is not okay. So let's work on that. When I address it and I say, I get it, I understand, I I name it, it's okay, they seem to respond to me better than if I just, you know, go at it and try to change it. And I, I think it's just because they're human beings. I prefer for someone to say that to me as well, to validate what I'm feeling. And, you know, I think there is a time when our, our feelings can lead us into sin and our feeling, you know, those, we, we don't have to allow our emotions to control us, but we do have to, to, uh, to recognize that as humans, we are going to have those feelings. And our children, in theory, are way less mature and way less capable of handling them than we are. And I have to remind myself as a parent sometimes, that's your job. It's your job to teach them how to handle these things. And if I'm not handling them well myself, then I'm only perpetuating the issue in our home, which is a hard one to accept, but it's the truth. So um, Trisha, one of the things that I really liked about the book is that it does have a lot of practical application. You really are encouraging moms to dig in and take a look at what's causing the anger. Where is it coming from in your home? Not just to be reactors themselves, but if you want to overcome and you want to help you're going to have to do some work and figure things out. And so at the end of chapter one, you encourage your readers to make a list of things that seem to trigger their child's anger. What are you help? What are you hoping to help them accomplish with that list? And I think once we see the list and, and I think with each kid, it's going to be different things that we see are going to trigger their anger. Once we have the list, then first of all, we can help with some of those situations. So my kids that get hungry, I know if I'm going to the pool, I just need to pack snacks like that is a simple thing that will solve a big problem because otherwise they're angry and they're yelling at each other in the car and we get home and they get in trouble and they spend the night in their room and it would just, and just by packing snacks like can help it. One of my, actually my biological daughter, um, when she was little, I realized like she would get to church and she would get angry and she'd get frustrated and people try to talk to her and she'd like stomp her foot. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I figured out she was, didn't know how to interact with people. So when people come and talk to her, you have pretty hair, I like your dress. It was the anxiety that would lead to anger. And so what we did is we just role played. So the situation's going to happen. We're going to go to church. Miss Sally is going to ask you, Um, about your pretty hair or your dress or going to tell you, you know, how was your week? And all you have to say is thank you or I had a good week. And so we role played that and the anger stopped because I taught her, like I saw she's getting angry. It's due to anxiety. She doesn't know how to react. And we role played the situation. So if you see that there's a certain situation that your kids are in, you can role play, you can teach them. 
Um, and then once we figure out the things that make them angry, tell them. Like I could see that you get angry when you're tired. So and then you're training them to know how to respond. And then later we could you know train them how to act, how to react, how to calm themselves down. But first of all, we need to become aware. We need to help them, and then we need to make them aware of the things. And sometimes, now that I have older kids, the ones that were their most difficult, you know, bedtime was a big thing, and they say, I'm tired, I'm starting to get cranky, I'm going to go to bed. I'm like, hallelujah, like, just teaching them, because I was aware of it first, really made a huge difference in our home. I kind of feel like I need to make this list for myself. What are my, (laughs) what are the things that trigger my anger and usually I'm hungry or tired, (laughs) but like, honestly, it's just good to recognize the things that set us off as well as what sets our kids off and to be proactive instead of reactive. I feel like we're raising a generation of really self-aware people, which is good. It's really good that they would understand those things because I know, I know adults that have no control over anger and, and no idea what stimulates their anger and they don't even care what it is. So I love that we're choosing to do this differently and saying, you know what, you don't have to stay there. It, yeah, your response to that was sin, but we don't have to stay there. We can give you the tools to overcome that. One question I had about that, Tricia, you said that uh, some of the things on the list you'll be able to deal with easily, like, you know, bringing snacks to the pool or whatever. What do you do with the ones that are not so easy? Yeah, that's a good question. I think when there, sometimes sometimes it's a character flaw in our kids that we need to work on. Um, You know, sometimes it is just a response to other people. Um, You know, when there was difficult situations, it does take stepping back. And it's not something like I could pack a snack. It's like, I really need to talk to my child about this. Um, So about, Um, putting other people down or on self-control or one of our daughters, actually the thing that we finally figured out was that she had a victim mentality. So anytime someone said like, I got an A on my test, she would get mad and say like, I'm not stupid. And we're like, what, how is that, you know, what is going on with that? Because it wasn't like the person was attacking her, but she would get angry and get mad. And so really over the course of, months we talked to her and we would explain and she didn't hear it at first and she was older so that she was probably 13 or 14 at the time we say you know you see yourself as a victim and that person is not acting out and so just making her aware um we would you know talk about scripture verse we would pray together and so sometimes it isn't a quick solution but we can figure out this is what our child is feeling this is something that we see and so as parents we can work and because i homeschool um, a lot of the scriptures i would pick for us to memorize were things that I saw maybe a certain child is having an issue with, but we would all memorize that scripture together. Or, yeah. So, and really just, it takes time to look at those things and to, to figure out what it is. And it, sometimes it isn't a quick fix. So now that we are beginning to understand where the anger is coming from, what are some practical next steps a parent can take to help change that tide of anger in their home? Like, you know, or even if somebody's like, I don't see this anger in my house, can they stop it before that cycle of anger before it starts? Let's start with if they're already in that place, there's yeah. already anger in the home. What can they practically do to change that? 
Yeah, well, I have some good steps that I think are probably easier than um, people would think. So when we first went to therapy with our little guy, so he was about three at the time, um, the therapist is like, we're going to do this. And it's a certain name. I don't even remember the name of it. But basically, it is spending one-on-one time with that child. And I'm like, wait okay, we need to talk about like timeouts. We need to talk about like all these other things. And she's like, no, this is your assignment. For every day, you're going to spend five to 10 minutes with him, go to your room or someplace where no other child is, have a special box of toys. And during that time, I want you to um, say what he's doing. I want you to repeat what he says and I want you to praise him. And we would be in a therapy office, the ones that had like the the glass where she's watching me at an earbud and she's like, okay, he's lining up the cars. Tell him you are lining up the cars. And he just said blue car. So you repeat blue car. And I thought this is the most ridiculous thing. Like how in the world is this going to help with my child's anger? But we did it five or 10 minutes a day. And what I realized, and, and the anger did improve like a ton. What I realized is that, I was just like directing him. I'm this big person that's telling him what to do, telling him to stop doing that. But we didn't have the bond. He didn't feel bonded to me. So anytime I told him to do something, he's rebelling. He's getting mad. But when I'm, I'm seeing what he's doing, I'm making him feel seen and then repeating it. I'm making him feel heard and then praising him. I'm making him feel like he's a worthy person. I'm like, good job. You're doing it. And, um, and then he's in control because he's picking the cars. So all that really made him feel like I cared about him. We had the relationship and the anger changed. And so sure enough, as we got the older girls, we're going to therapy. And she's like, I have this activity for you. I want you to spend five and 10 minutes a day. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was the same thing for my teenager. And the, the, my teenager's in the office. She's like, yeah, mom, just me, five and 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, first of all, I had no interest like this. This is a child I'm having conflict with. Why do I want to spend this 10 minutes just with her? But it was like we would paint our nails. We would drive to the, the post office, check my mailbox there and get a smoothie. We would, One time she like helped me sort through all my reader mail that I get in my P.O. box. I'm like it was this random stuff. But again, she's feeling seen. She's feeling heard. She's feeling like I care about her. And that five and 10 minutes really did. So I think so many times we're so used to just directing our children without really focusing on them. So that made a really big difference. And then another thing is to teach them how to calm down. Um, and so we, we did that with calming bags. Um, and this works from three-year-old all the way to, you know, 16-year-old. Give them ways to calm down. So we would make a calming bag. You do a paper bag, a gallon Ziploc bag, a basket, and put like Play-Doh in it, put bubbles. Bubbles are really good because bubbles, they breathe in, they blow out. So they're doing the breathing technique. Um, One of our daughters likes to walk around the block. So my cue to her is like, why don't you take a walk around the block? And that just helps her get the emotions out. Um, If they warm their, put their hands under warm water or take a shower if you have the opportunity, teach them ways to calm down. And even when we went to Florida, Um, And it was just me and my older son taking all the kids. And before we left, I sat everybody down. I'm like, we're going to make calming bags. Here's stress balls. Here's Play-Doh gum. We put gum in there because sometimes just that motion helps them calm down. And I said, on this trip, you're going to get stressed out. We're going to be in a van. We're going to be in this little condo and let them know these are ways to calm down. Sometimes we don't teach kids. Like we're just like, calm down. And we didn't teach them like, go squeeze a stress ball. Go put your hands under warm water. Go, you know. Um, bounce a basketball we need to teach them what works for them on how to calm down yeah. so I feel like a lot of these things that you're saying are good proactive things as well like we said how do you stop the cycle of anger before it starts well 
you can, even if you haven't seen anger in your child, you can talk to them about, have you ever started to feel mad about something? Like, what could you do when you do that? So if you're a mom that's listening right now and you're like, I haven't really seen that in my child or in our home, it's okay to still talk about it, right? I mean, and have them know how to react when they do feel that because I don't think there's anybody that's ever gone through life never getting mad about anything. (laughs) I mean, and if we're teaching them ahead of time, that could be what stops that cycle before it even starts. And like you said, every kid is so different. Like there's so much variety in what could calm them down. I have one who going to his room makes him matter. Like that just, you know, amps him up. And another who needs that, who needs to go and think and process before we have any more conversations. So like the proactive steps could be the same, knowing the child and what, you know, what they react to and how they react when you talk to them. And also just proactively teaching them these are some things you could do if you are feeling mad. Yeah, I know for one of mine, um, I have one of those boys that is just very physical. And if he doesn't get enough of a physical outlet in the day, we're going to struggle. Like, and God bless his teachers at school. Like he's going to struggle there too. You know, like he's got to have some kind of physical outlet and wearing him out physically, and it's been this way since he was a a little boy, um, wearing him out physically has always equaled a better emotional day for our family. It's just the way it works. And sometimes that's inconvenient, but it's something that I've learned about him over the years. I have another one that loves to play music, and I've learned that he uh, he started self-soothing himself with music when he was very young. He would get mad, and he would go into his room and and pick up his, his fiddle and just start playing amazing grace or, you know, something like that. And now he's, he's learning to play the guitar and I'll hear him in his room, just picking at the guitar a little bit too. And I actually had to tell him to stop the other night because it was midnight and he was still playing his guitar and I was trying to go to sleep. But you know, some of those patterns will emerge as our kids get older, like what they want to do and how they can soothe themselves. So Trisha, I know that Anger can be a cycle. We start to escalate and then it, you know, if if we don't use some of those things, we don't teach our kids to soothe themselves and to calm themselves and it just will blow the roof off the house. If you start seeing that cycle happen, apart from the things that we've already talked about, what are other things that we can do to stop it before it gets to that point? Because I know for me, I've, I've tried sometimes to look at my child and say, you're getting angry or you need, and sometimes like just pointing it out can make it worse. Sometimes like Erin said, she has a child that doesn't like to go to her room or be removed. It makes it worse. Sometimes just identifying it when they're already, when the cycle has already started can move it on to the next level. So what are some things that we can do to help with that? Yeah, well, there's two types of cycles. There's a cycle that we see when we see kids revving up. So we'll talk about that first. And then we'll talk about like maybe a habit of anger that happens over days. So first of all, when we see them revving up, um, you know, if we know our child, then we can we can say, you know, go get your calming bag. I have one that if I don't give her enough like physical touch during the day, she I could see her start revving up and I'll say, come here. 
And at first she's like, no, she doesn't want to hug. But I know if I just hold her on my lap and literally just hold her for five minutes, just like stroke her hair. And so figure out when we see them revving up, okay, there's something going on. We know this is going to get bad. We know this is going to explode. So how we can stop, how can we stop it? Some of our kids get overstimulated. So it is, they, they want the quiet. Other kids were like, here's a basketball. So that's kind of the, when we see them revving up. But then there's the kids where we see like, this is something that's happening over and over and over. And there's actually two ways that help that. One of it is um, we can praise when they do things right. So um, if we have a kid that gets angry and throws toys and is, you know, do, actually acting physically, as soon as we see them calming down, even in the little list a manner, we start praising them. So with one of our daughters would be this big rages. As soon as she takes a breath, I'm like, great job calming down. And she's like, really not calming herself down. But I'm all of a sudden she's like, oh, wait, I'm getting praised. Okay, I want that. And so um, my other little guy, he would throw toys. He would get like really mad, start throwing toys. If it was in the direction of the toy box, I'd be like, great job cleaning up. And he's like, suddenly like, oh, wait. <laughs> and so it kind of, um, you're praising them for something good instead of always like focusing on the negative. So that really helped. But another thing, which is so crazy is one of our daughters every night, um, she, and she's probably 13, 14 at the time, every night before bed, she would do something to get angry and to get us mad. She would say something. She would be rude to her siblings. She would do all these things. And I'm like, what is going on? And I talked to her therapist and we would spend like an hour like talking to her. You can't talk to us that way. You can't treat your siblings. You can't slam the door on your sister when she's trying to brush her teeth, you know, all these things. And the therapist is like, oh, so you're doing this like every night. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, she's getting a lot of individualized attention every night for being angry. And I'm like, I never thought about that before. We have a busy house, but when she gets angry, then we talk to her, we pray with her, we're doing all these things. And so she said, I want you to ignore it. Whatever she does tonight, act like it is not happening. I'm like, are you kidding? She's like, no, just like completely like, don't look at her. Don't give her any attention for that negative behavior. And so sure enough, that night she said something. I can't even remember what she said, but um, all the other kids went up to bed and she was acting out and raging and being mad. And my husband and I are in the kitchen and we could see like into the living room, it's like open. And we're, I'm like looking at him across the island and I'm like, how was your day? And he was like, it was good. And she's like getting madder and madder. And we're like, so what should I make for dinner tomorrow? <laughs> like we're completely ignoring her. And then she realizes like it's not getting her any attention. And so she went and got the lighter and went started lighting candles all around the house. But she's not supposed to do that. And she's like, oh. And she'd hold the candle. If I drop this, the house will catch on fire. You'll never get the other kids out. Like she's just trying to provoke us. And I'm like, so what are we going to do this weekend? Are you going to mow the lawn? <laughs> like we're completely ignoring her. Well, then um, – I had just gotten a whole box of curriculum, like all the books brand new in the box. We hadn't even taken them out. The box was open, but I hear her in the other room saying, these are, these books must be really expensive. And I hear rip, rip, rip. And oh, suddenly, no. yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's my homeschool books. My husband's like, just ignore her. And I'm like, well, he's like, it'll be okay. So finally we're like, well, we'll just go to bed. And so we walked past the dining room, didn't even look in there, didn't give her any attention, went to bed. And the next morning, the first thing I remembered is she ripped up my homeschool books. So I run in there and I look and she had been ripping up binder paper. She was just trying to provoke me. But the thing about it is the next night when we said, okay, time to go to bed. she's like, okay. And she went to bed with everybody else. Like she didn't get that attention from us. And I think sometimes 
that's another reason kids, when they get out, act out, they are getting a lot of attention from us. So instead of the negative attention, if we're giving them positive attention, it's amazing. And I've seen it with many of my kids. It breaks the cycle of that repeat thing when we're focusing on the positive instead of the negative. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard to do. Like I imagine as you thought you were, you know, losing an investment, that was a financial investment. (laughs) Talking to two people who have homeschooled before, like we, we get how much of an investment that is. I would have been freaking out as well. Um, it's hard to ignore bad behavior, especially when you think they're, you know, I, I feel like sometimes my boys wrestling around at night trying not to go to bed, they're going to break the house and then I'm going to have to fix it. And that's a, you know, that, the, the financial part of it worries me sometimes. But um, really it, it is, you know, it, it makes me believe that if we're doing a good job of filling their tank throughout mm-hmm. the day, and giving them attention that they want throughout the day, positive attention throughout the day, that that may lessen it as well at night. So love that you shared that. You know, Trisha, we um, in this ministry are very focused on teaching moms how to pray through the various seasons of their lives and situations of their lives. And we, our mission is very much that moms would stop looking at prayer as a last resort and that they would begin to see it as the first and best response to the issues that they're going to face in life in parenting specifically. So I would love it if you could share with our moms, some of the things that you think should top their list, their prayer list as they are dealing with an angry child, what should they be praying for that child? Absolutely. Well, the one verse that I just keeps going back to again is Galatians 5, 23 um, 22 and 23, which is the fruit of the spirit. Um, that they will have love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, because really, we can control their actions to a point. And we can remind them how to be good. And we could give them all this positive thing. But really, as they grow older, it is going to be the Holy Spirit in their lives that is going to change things. It's going to make them peaceful. And, I'll, and I've you know, told them, uh, we, we've memorized this, we've talked about this, I pray over them. I pray this over them as in the morning time when we're um, doing our Bible study. And then I see my kids, they'll, they'll start praying for that for themselves, um, my older ones, because um, it is really the Holy Spirit inside that is going to give them peace. The Holy Spirit inside that's going to give them self-control. Um, we can only control them so far. And I've, as I've seen my kids pray this for themselves, I've been shocked. Like, I've, you know, they'll say, I was getting angry, but I remembered the Holy Spirit can help me have self-control. And they can tune in because I'm not always going to be there. We're, I mean, our job is to raise adults and they need to focus on the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I pray over them and then encourage them to pray over themselves. And I've seen a huge, huge difference, especially in our older girls, um, just learning when they can turn to God, when they can turn to the Holy Spirit inside them, um, that makes all the difference. Well, you kind of answered this question then already. (laughs) Um, We, like Brooke said, we're focusing on what we're praying for our kids, and we always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share a verse or passage that they are currently praying for their children. So that's one, Galatians 5, right? Um, Is there any others that you would like to share that you're specifically praying over one or all of the kids? Yeah, well, one thing I'll just say um, kind of – in general, one thing that I do is I pick a child because I have 10 of them. I pick a child through the year and I pray through the Bible for them. And I have that Bible 
And so every day as I'm doing my Bible reading, I'll, I, I like buy a specific Bible and that's that child's for that year. And then as I'm going through that day's reading, I usually try to read two or three, three chapters. I'll pick a verse and then I'll pray something for that child um, in the Bible. And so, and I've done that with my um, older three. So I'm on my fourth child with that. And so daily, whatever I feel like it's something that's pulled out of scripture. So like this morning I was reading um, just about, uh, Zachariah when he was in the temple and you know he saw the angel there and he was fill, filled with fear um, and the angel says do not be afraid I heard your prayer and I was just praying that my child will know that God hears their prayers and so you know really every day as I'm reading I think there's something like we could you know we're getting stuff of course for ourselves but I also think we could pull something out from our reading to either pray for a specific child or pray for all our children um, from what we're going through in that day. I love that so much. You know, we have a passion for praying God's word over our kids and that it's just a really fun, different way to approach it. I really like that a lot. And then what a gift to be able to maybe give that Bible to your child when you're done praying through God's word for them. That's beautiful. Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing just some really fantastic practical tips for dealing with angry children. Would you take just a second and tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and follow you? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, my website is just trishagoyer.com and Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A, Goyer's G-O-Y-E-R.com. And on Facebook, um, it's author Trisha Goyer, Instagram's Trisha Goyer. So pretty much if they put my name in there. And I love connecting with people. I love um, encouraging them. So, you know, they're, feel free to send me a message on Facebook or um, any of that because I I really love um, just knowing that when people are going through stuff just having someone who can understand even if it's just me saying I'm, I understand and I can pray for you that makes a big difference yeah I was gonna say you are a very fun person to follow on Facebook and you always have fun questions for people to answer and I love reading everybody's responses to it. So make sure you get connected with Trisha on social media there. And um, as always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to Trisha's book, Calming Angry Kids, Help and Hope for Parents in the Whirlwind. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit LifeAudio.com to listen and subscribe.